0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Good morning. This is Awesome Murphy, guest host on Sylvia Global Media Network. And I am here today. This is part two of a series we are doing called Epilepsy 101. And I'm here with Susan Upchurch, the Director of Client Services from the Epilepsy Foundation of San Diego County. Hi, Susan.
0: Good morning, Aseneth. I'm so glad that we'll be able to talk a little bit more about a subject that, to me, is really a fascinating subject, epilepsy.
1: Yeah, and I know we're calling it Epilepsy 101, and I know we we started um, in our last segment uh, talking about kind of just the foundation, what is epilepsy, what is a seizure, what causes it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I know that as we go through this series at some point, it's probably going to go beyond 101, but it's just um, such a great place for people to come who maybe know nothing about it or are dealing with it for the first time and get some information about what it all is. I know we were really tight on time last time, and so um, I know there was so much. We just started scratching the surface. Is there anything True. particular you, you feel like we missed that you'd like to bring up or something that you kind of want to recap for any new listeners we have? Okay, that's probably a real good idea because we may have some people who are just joining
0: us on, on this part, too. Uh, I think what I'll do, then, is just go ahead and start with um, recapping, as you say, on the definitions, because that's always a good place to start. Uh, epilepsy, the real just the bottom line definition of epilepsy is that it's a very common neurological disorder whose symptoms are recurrent, unpredictable seizures. And there's just so much to that that over time, as you and I talk further, We'll go into the details of how that might apply to any one individual case. But for now, um, we'll we'll sort of stay with sort of the general uh, topic for a little while. Um, I said recurrent undepictable seizures, and uh, again, the definition of a seizure is really just an episode in the brain of abnormal electrical activity. But when I say that, I'm uh, second-guessing myself a little because I want to say that we We almost have to establish at the beginning of our of our uh, conversation here Osnes, when when I say abnormal, but what's normal you know its people might not really have a sense of the the utter complexity of what our brains are doing, just as even right now you and I are uh, talking and listening to one another and so on. Neurons are firing in uh, a very uh, normal way, so I want to address sort of what that means. Um, neurons, and we have a lot of them up there in that little three-pound um, wet sponge sort of an organ that is our brain, but 100 billion neurons, uh, those are the specialized brain cells, what's typically thought of as the gray matter in our brains, those neurons are uh, talking away 24-7 in what is really a, an electrical chemical language. Now, uh, stay with me on this because I feel like we need to sort of develop a real respect for the complexity of it all before we can talk about what might go wrong. Right. So um, in, a, in all those neurons, and that's, that's a lot, that's as many uh, stars as the Milky Way, 100 billion. So any one of those neurons is firing in our brains between two to 300 times per second. That's an amazingly fast rate. It's actually the same rate as the wingbeat of a honeybee. So you can kind of picture that. It's, those neurons are firing rapidly. Uh, in fact, when I say firing, again, I feel like I want to go back and define that a little bit. What am I saying when I say a neuron fires? Uh, out of the cell body, the main uh, part of the cell, that's where the electrical... The signal is uh, originating, and then it travels down an extension called an axon, where upon getting to the terminal of that axon, it re- causes a release of chemicals. um they're really messengers to go across a little synapse. actually, it's actually a little space, and then uh, those messengers, those the um, chemical messengers, really are uh, accepted by neighboring neurons, and that's how the signal travels uh, from the originating cell body down the exon and then off to uh, influence neighboring neurons. And even that is astounding when we think of the speed of all this happening. In vertebrates, that's us, the signal travels down that axon at the rate of 200 miles per hour, um, Now, it's very different in invertebrates, say, a snail. There, it's much slower, say, 30 to 40 miles per hour. But that makes all the difference in how um, the world is perceived. Uh, For example, in a snail's brain, the, the brain actually takes three seconds to just register the perception of light. So, again, in the real world, what does that mean? That means that, um, let me add a good example for you. If I were in the garden and I saw a snail sitting there on the path, if I very carefully, but within three seconds, placed a second snail next to that first one, well, that would go down in snail history as a miracle because it, <laughs> would, be in, it would be instant uh, materialization of a snail. So, so all that is just to say that, and thanks for staying with me on uh, some anatomy there, but what that really, I want to sum all that up by just saying that it illustrates that what goes on in the firing of our neurons has everything to do with uh, our experience in the world, uh, not only how we perceive the world, but how we respond to it. So, so that's just sort of a summary of of a little bit more basics to the to um, sort of clarify the the idea of a seizure as an episode of abnormal electrical activity. Mm-hmm. So, thanks for uh, hanging in with me on that. Um, do questions occur to you about any of of that? I know that's a lot of
1: uh, facts in a
0: short amount of time.
1: I guess so. Then what you're saying, I, this is kind of how I always understood it, correct me if I'm wrong, is that I guess in layman's terms, a seizure would be kind of like the brain having a conversation with your body and all of a sudden there's like static of some kind and you kind of cut out and it's not quite communicating the way it's supposed to. Yes, that's, that actually is a pretty good way of expressing it
0: because now that we've just discussed how the brain is always communicating within itself in electrical chemical language but what goes uh, awry when a seizure is happening is that those neurons are firing too much there there um, it's actually spontaneous firing in other words as you and I right now think of words to express our thoughts In our left temporal lobes, there are neurons that are firing in a very normal way. They're doing what we want them to do, you know, come up with uh, circuitry that connects our meaning to our actual language and even the the muscles in our uh, mouths and so on to make those functions occur as we are trying to direct them to do. But if there's a seizure out of the left temporal lobe where suddenly a little bunch of little being relatively speaking because out of a hundred billion it could be several thousand in a uh, neurons in a little batch but when that um, group of neurons overfires spontaneously then a function can actually be knocked out uh, so if that were to occur to me while I was talking you might hear just gibberish or you might hear actual silence because that function of expressing my thoughts in language would sort of, we can think of it as offline. It wouldn't work for a while, um, usually a fairly short while, but you can well imagine that even a very brief uh, partial seizures, and uh, we might uh, do a little review of what, what those seizure types are, but even a very brief seizure is going to have a lot of consequences. um w- Probably most of our uh, listeners now, especially those who already have a diagnosis of epilepsy, are probably aware that we are, in California, uh, a reporting state, meaning that licensed professionals, doctors, even dentists, uh, doctors of various levels, from primary cares to uh, neurologists and so on, uh, are under uh, a DMV code to report what in the DMV code is called a lapse of consciousness. So at that point, a doctor might uh, report something that his uh, or her patient uh, relates that there was a, uh, a complex partial seizure or uh, or a full uh, tonic-clonic seizure, a generalized seizure. Um, but there are very exacting distinctions among the seizure types some reportable, some not. Um, so we can maybe talk a little bit more of that, about that if you'd like. I, I should introduce that subject by saying that in my office, we I will have confidentiality privilege with any one of my clients, a new client, a continuing client, that doesn't matter. Um, I am not under the reporting law, and uh, it, it, that's It gives people a safe place to discuss um, an an episode that they're not sure uh, of how to define it and how to express that to their neurologist. So it gives uh, sort of a sounding board with me that is confidential to discuss an episode, as they say, that may or may not be something reportable, but it's, it's good to find that out, of course, for two reasons. One... Uh, my, my, of course, my first uh, responsibility would be that that person is safe, uh, and if there is medical necessity to really address, maybe starting treatment. Uh, this, of course, over a lot of people are not yet on treatment at all, or it might necessitate a change uh, in treatment. So it's just good for listeners to know that the conversation with me, whether it, on the phone, in person, or uh, online is a confidential conversation.
1: I think that's so important for you to mention. Thank you. Because I know um, my mom had a situation once where she was feeling just a little bit fatigued and happened to mention it to her doctor. And she came home so frustrated because really what she wanted was for her doctor to kind of run some tests and see what's going on. You know, is there a thyroid issue? Is there this or is there that? And the doctor right away reported her to the DMV Mm -hmm. um, and she had her license temporarily suspended until they could verify that there was nothing more serious going on. And I remember she was so frustrated because she's like, can I not even ask a question? She goes, I get that she's, you know, trying to be preventative and trying to look out for me, but I feel like she went too far. Now there's this disruption in my life. I have to figure out, you know, what to do, what to change to make this Mm -hmm. work. And, um, and I think so I think for some people that can be a scary thing. You know, I know some people told her, "Well, that's why you don't say certain things to your doctor." You know, and at the same time, if there is something scary going on, if you are feeling like, you know, maybe there's a lapse in time or there's a part of a conversation you missed or something and you're mm-hmm. concerned that it's an issue, you kind of want to say something, but sometimes it's how much do I say before causing unnecessary trouble? How much do I not say? How do I say it so that what I'm I'm trying to get across comes across correctly.
0: Yes, it's it's an important subject. It really is. And you know, in our way of life here in Southern California, it's a really big subject because we're people who drive, you know. We there really isn't the mass transit system that is at least at this point thorough enough to go to all neighborhoods and really work well for everyone. If we were in San Francisco right. or in New York City, uh, you know, there might not be quite such jeopardy involved in a suspended driver's license. So it's a big subject and it has to be done um, well. In other words, trying to retain a trusting relationship between a physician and a patient. Uh, as you say, it was probably very disconcerting for your mother to Uh, feel that she couldn't be totally honest without risking something that was important to her. Uh, But on the other hand, wanting to address a medical situation that really would need diagnosis and perhaps treatment. So uh, I I must say that I have... um, I have a lot of sympathy for the physicians in in the state because their dilemma is real. Um, they're they're right. faced not just with a medical situation but with a legal situation. Um, they're actually required by law to report a lapse of consciousness, so they really have to do that. It's not that they're being unkind or mean, but the system is um, something that, the Epilepsy Foundation actually has worked hard to try to make some changes in that reporting law, but we have not yet been successful in California. Uh, California actually is only one of six states that have that reporting law in place. Really? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Now that sounds like just, you know, kind of playing the other side for a second, that sounds like well, it could be advantageous for someone who's kind of figuring out what's going on with them, Couldn't that also be dangerous to the general public for it to not have to be reported? I mean, I've met people throughout my life who had epilepsy but just never told anyone because it was under control and so they didn't tell anyone. And it just seems to me Mm -hmm. if there's no reporting, then maybe there's a danger in that as well. There's kind of a fine line there, isn't there? There
0: is a very fine line, and you're absolutely right that we have to try to respect both sides of the question. when you said that there are people out there that um, you know they maybe they don't even have the diagnosis yet, so there. In fact, I, I think even in our last interview, we we made reference to the fact that unfortunately many of my cases get started after the tragedy has occurred, the car crash or you know some pretty serious things that can occur during uh, a lapse of awareness in a complex partial seizure. Uh, and sometimes that really is the introduction of the individual themselves uh, to all the right. idea that they've had a seizure. They they simply didn't know. Uh, some of the simple partial seizures that uh, that can not in- interrupt awareness at all, but can have some pretty odd and uh, strange and h- even hard to express symptoms. Uh, Some of them are are the the sensory things that are fairly well-known, I think, even in the general public, like an odd taste or smell or um, even distortions in the visual field, you know, things that uh, that are simple partial seizures are, are symptoms, but they don't interrupt the consciousness, the awareness of environment, and the ability to respond. In fact, the DMV makes no restrictions for people who have only simple partial seizures. But the problem is that when people might start having those, it's long before there's been a diagnosis. Uh, you can imagine, of that many people, say a teenager in school, having all of a sudden there's that strange smell, but nobody else seems to smell it. So it's easy just to sort of shrug that off as a, a, an oddity but not pursue it, certainly not right. define it. Right. <laughs> and... Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it can progress to a complex partial seizure whereupon there really can be danger in responding to the environment in a reasonable manner. Okay. So we have there are lots lots uh, to talk about, and I know that uh, with our uh, with our means of um, having our conversation in a way that people can access this all over the world, uh that's been something that in my uh, work here, and that I'm in my 25th year here, so it's been a long time, uh, that more and more I do have uh, people, uh, that's just the, the online world we're in now, uh, contacting me from all over the world. Uh, because sadly, in some parts of the world, uh, diagnosis and treatment are quite a bit behind where we are here. So it's... Um, sometimes starting with someone who really has not only not the right ideas about what epilepsy is, but actually some pretty odd and incorrect ideas of what it is. So there's the undoing of those ideas before starting in on just some education so that a person can be a a better advocate for themselves.
1: Right. I know I've, um, at times when I've Told someone, a coworker, or someone, um, hey, just so you know, I have seizures. You know, it's something I deal with. They're under control. Like that immediate flicker in their eyes of, oh my gosh, what do I need to do? Are you going to fall on the floor at any moment? You know, and kind of, um, mm-hmm. yeah, just that immediate yeah. reaction of fear and caution and panic. And so it's kind of that immediate, like reflexive, but it's under control. Don't worry. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, and look at you, you're having to try to put them at ease, aren't you? <laughs> yes,
0: it's um it's really true that none of us humans are very good at it when we don't know what to do. You know, it doesn't bring out the best of us in us if we just are we don't know what to do. So, I think that is actually one of the reasons that I'm so glad that we're doing this program because as people just learn what it is, it becomes a lot less scary. You know, um when you think that all this is about neurons overfiring, you know, it, that's a lot different than thinking, gosh, uh, the person, and believe me, uh, it's not unusual, at least for a young person, to think that they're either losing their mind, uh, if they suddenly have a complex partial seizure, that they can't respond in a reasonable manner to their environment, or that in other parts of the, the world, actually, that it's still completely misinterpreted as... Um, possession by the devil oh yes or um i had a a love that one in
1: high school Mm -hmm. i uh i had a a a tonic in high school one time during a marching band practice and i remember a girl that was in the christian club with me ran over and went oh my gosh you're possessed and i was like no 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 i'm not um (laughs) it's quite astounding yeah yeah
0: yeah so you had a lot of educating to do, and it's hard for a for a young person you said that was in high school
1: yeah that that happened I mean, yes, at that time it was um semi kind of the norm for me in my life um about every other month or so it would happen, and so you know in junior high, I had had the complex partials and so a number of the students have kind of grown accustomed to seeing it in my within my class and kind of learned how to deal with it and mm-hmm. just kind of like ah oh, leave her alone she'll be fine in 30 seconds mm-hmm. but for whatever reason and so i remember that's part of what made me laugh was like do you realize how ignorant you sound like i mean half our class is yeah. like this is normal you know so yeah yeah <laughs> um, yes. there's a lot of yeah it can be
0: and and i think Maybe especially for a young person because it's hard enough to be an adolescent. I mean high school is well pre high school and high school there's just so much going on it's so so many uh, things to get used to and to uh, to try to to work out in oneself you're forming an identity and so on and oddly enough, in adults, that uh, sense of identity of who am I is one of the things that truly can be attacked. Uh, in a person. If uh, if seizures occur, let's just say it's uh, someone that's um, in their late 20s, 30s, which is, of course, not uncommon. People can start to have seizures at any age. But when that happens, and uh, um, let's say it's a, a, a man who has that and he it, it suddenly is having to be laid off work for a while because it's a construction job and he can't drive, and you know there are sort of that domino effect uh, that can lead to some very serious life changes. Um, now, will those get resolved if this person gets help, gets diagnosed, and gets on treatment, and so on? Um, yes, things will. That's my job to try to work with all those collateral issues. But I usually do start with trying to educate the individual himself or herself because once the individual starts to understand it better it again loses its um uh, uh, what its magic you know it it loses its um its all those things that the imagination has run wild to fill in gaps of knowledge so just educating and again that's why i think this form is so important to know what it is and what it isn't and then knowing that there are medications in our world today that can calm that overfiring of neurons. That's what all these anti-seizure medications do. They help to calm the overfiring of the neurons and get things back to normal in that um, electrical-chemical language of the brain. Right. What I I, I so wanted to say to, to live a
1: normal life. Then oh, it
0: absolutely. doesn't
1: have to completely. Um, it doesn't no, it have to sure completely
0: gets the it it gets the person's attention <laughs> and everybody in that person's life when it first starts but then in in a in a very um good situation the diagnosis will happen rather soon in the in the situation because otherwise there can be such uh uh worry uh if it's if there's a misdiagnosis and um there is, uh, uh, sad to say, there is sometimes misdiagnosis where the the, um, the detours take down the road of the psychiatric uh, treatments, which don't work because this is neurologically based. Um, I think that was one of the things that got me, that, uh, that brought me into uh, this work because I was doing some psychotherapy, but I realized that, pretty early in the game, that there was really neurology at work here, something organic. There was something not just psychological. Uh, Of course, psychological outcomes can develop because a person is having to deal with a lot of major challenges, even in their relationships and so on. So the psychology is part of it, but we really have to address the uh, the neurology to try to, as you said, get control of the seizures, and then life just kind of picks up where it was and uh, off the person goes. You know, in the definition when, when we said at the beginning recurrent and unpredictable seizures, it's that word unpredictable. <laughs> That's the troublesome one because... Mm-hmm a lot of my clients think, well, if I could schedule it, if I knew it was 3 o'clock on Thursday, you know, <laughs> that would be one thing, but there just isn't that luxury um, when the medications take Put on the book that you and, have a
1: meeting. <laughs> you know, what? put on my calendar. I put on my calendar <laughs> I have a meeting at this time. Nobody interrupts me. <laughs> <That's right. laughs>
0: take yourself off the, the grid for a while, but it's, we just don't have that luxury, and In our culture, I suppose in most cultures today, uh, one of the things that is so prized among people is control, you know, predictability. And so, well, epilepsy just flies in the face of that. And so it might be the reason that you saw those looks on your classmates' faces. You know, it's not predictable. It's what should I do and what's going to happen. You know, it's, it's the unknown factor. Mm-hmm. So there again, education is kind of a, a good way to start, um, even when it means learning a little bit of this anatomy of the brain, as we discussed earlier today, because, it, it, it again, it demystifies it, doesn't it?
1: right yeah. so and i know people on both ends tend to feel kind of helpless you know if you're watching someone go through it it's uh, what do i do i i can't make this stop i can't make them better what do i do and on the other mm-hmm. end i know sometimes um even when i had the tonic-clonics as i started coming out of it i could see and hear the people around me you know or especially with a complex partial but i couldn't respond and so with the complex mm-hmm. partial i know i sometimes felt bad because to me, at the time, it was a norm, and I'd have you know this person who I had just met at school being like, "It's okay, you're gonna be okay, you're gonna be okay," and I'm like, "Well, I, I know <laughs> they were <this."> talking <laughs> to themselves." Yeah, I think. yeah, I think they were talking to themselves
0: because you you really hit upon such an important thing that that frustration that uh, and so many of my clients report this that they can deal with the doctor's appointments and even even maybe temporarily having to use um, the bus and trolley system, and if they're drive- not driving for a while, they can deal with the daily medications and all manner of things. But it's the hardest thing to deal with the response of other people. Um, that they they just want everybody to stay calm and. Um, yes if they're in a public place to try to at least protect them and stay with them until consciousness is totally regained those would be things that they that people can instruct their their friends or or family to do but they really just want to it to be normalized in a sense uh and that's what happens as more and more people know what it is so i think that uh, Uh, I'm so grateful for this chance to talk about it. Uh, Learning, I I always tell my clients that they are their best expert. They're the expert on their particular seizure types and what triggering factors might be involved for them in particular. Um, The triggering factor, remember, isn't the cause of the epilepsy. That might have been a, a, a severe... Brain injury or an infection as a child or even a, a tumor, or you know there are a lot of causes, and we talked about that a little last time but the triggering factors are any one person's responsibility to learn. Some people are a lot more sensitive to say uh bright lights or blinking lights at especially at a certain hertz of a uh, a certain frequency uh photosensitivity is what that's known as, so if if a person has that, then they, they well, they better probably stay away from the casinos <laughs> because the, the bright lights right. are uh, and that flashing is going to trigger a seizure for them, even if they're taking their medication as prescribed. Uh, so the triggering factors are something that people do need to learn—the uh, ones that
1: affect them personally. Right so i know we're running short on time here and if if there's one thing um i think you've really encouraged me with today it's that knowledge that there's someone i can go to and talk to without fear or concern of how it's going to be interpreted or you know where it's going to go and i know um and i know I believe your services are free, am I correct, with the uploading. Yes, Foundation? Yes,
0: thank you for bringing that out. Yes, we do not charge for services here at all. And, um, again, when people ask, well, what, what do you do here? And what I say is everything. <laughs> because... <laughs> It's going to depend on the need, it, whether it's a legal situation um, or DMV situation um, or just uh, good old-fashioned therapy of trying to work with people in relationships uh, because relationships can uh, be put to the test when seizures enter the, the picture. So there's just going to be – it's really driven by the needs of any one client coming in. But, yes, they don't have to worry about any cost uh, and so insurance matters are are completely irrelevant for here
1: that's that's so wonderful because i know um for so many people it's kind of when you want that anonymity who can i go to who can i afford to talk to to get that um also i just wanted to thank you for encouraging us that there that there is a way. If you're going through this and you're kind of feeling like my life's been disturbed forever, it's never going to be the same. There are ways to get it under control. There are people who understand what you're going through. And, Susan, you are such a great resource. I just wanted to thank you for taking this time. Um, Also, I know that you've mentioned you work with people all over the country and even internationally. Can you remind us how they can get a hold of you if they have any questions?
0: Yes. Uh, I think probably that my direct email is the best way. That is Susan, S-U-S-A-N, at org. So it's just all one word in there, Susan, at EpilepsySanDiego.org.
1: Great. Thank you so much, and I look forward to having you on here again and continuing this series. Again, if you're turning in for the first time and would like to go back, you can find either on iTunes or Sylvia Global's Block Talk radio station, um, Epilepsy 101. There was uh, another session before this one. You can find that. Um, to get a little more background, and I look forward to having you on again and just delving further into this and encouraging people. So thank you so much, Susan, and thank you, Sylvia Global Media Network, for giving us this opportunity and this platform to reach out to so many. Have a great day, and we look forward to talking with you again. Thank you. Goodbye.